Good morning, everybody. My name is Mike. If you haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm glad that you have joined us either here in the house with us or if you're joining us online. Uh, as Jim said, uh, you can participate in the offering even if you're not here. If you are here, the, the tray is in the back. If you came today and want to give but didn't come prepared to give, or if you want to join us at home with that, uh, you can do so at cchmd.com give. Uh, if you are uh, with us, if you have the, the, the bulletin, if you're with us at home and you got the bulletin in your email, uh, if you look on the second page, a lot of times that's where we have a lot of our uh, stats and, and other updates. And if you happen uh, to notice there, uh, under the, uh, the monthly giving line, uh, September was a pretty rough month. Um, and so uh, if there are those who have, maybe you, you're doing some traveling, maybe uh, you, 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 you're thinking, okay, maybe I haven't given as much as I ought to, maybe or should, or want to, uh, maybe this would be just kind of a challenge to, to maybe take this time, take the rest of this year to, uh, to maybe challenge God and say, hey God, if, if I'm faithful in my giving, uh, will you be faithful to me in return? And he says that in scripture, as we are faithful to him, he is abundantly faithful in return to us. And so I want to challenge you with that, that as, as you consider um, how you might support uh, the ministry here, uh, that, that you might be able to, to, to do that there. And uh, to, if you're like, well, your regularity tends to be a problem. The online way is just really easy because it can kind of set that up for you and, 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 and pull that uh, whatever um, um, interval you want to, to do that. So if, you, if, if you're joining us, like I said, if you're joining us, whether here in the house or at home, uh, we'd uh, love for you to just kind of connect with you, find out uh, where everyone is and how everybody's doing. If you're here with us today, you can do so at cchmd.com slash connect. There on our connect page, there is a link to the giving uh, portal as well, as well as the connection card. We'd love for you to fill that out. Let us know where you are viewing us from. If you're new with us, you, know, you can just simply text new to 240-347-0897, and uh, we'll, we'll follow up with you there. Just kind of a way to just uh, stay connected and uh, say hello to everyone uh, there. If, you're follow, if, if you want to follow along with today's sermon notes, you can do so at uh, the YouVersion Bible app. And today's sermon is called, Take Care of Yourself. Take Care of Yourself. And so uh, you can find that there, search under the events at, uh, on the YouVersion Bible app under CCA, uh, Church of Christ at Hagerstown, and you'll find that there. Um, in a minute here, we're going to dismiss the kids. Before we do so, I'm going to pray for us uh, as we go into uh, the rest of our service today. Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are our hope. Father, in the midst of all the craziness going on around us, the, 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 the stress and the turmoil and, and uh, just Father, everything that seems to be beaten down upon us as we leave here today, as we go through our week, we just pray that you would remind us of the hope that we have in you. Father, we thank you for the love that you've shown us through Christ. Father, as he gave his life on the cross for us to redeem us, to restore us to you, Father, I pray that we would... Uh, uh, help uh, as we, we would take each day as an opportunity to, to grow closer to you, to mature uh, more fully uh, into the uh, people that you would desire us to be. That, Father, you would help us to impact the community, impact the world around us with your love. Father, I pray that you would uh, help us today, that, Father, as we open up your word, that would your spirit be here to, to give us understanding, to, to, to give us direction, to give us guidance into what you would have us do. Father, would you help us to uh, grow ourselves so that we and help the, lead others closer to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. Who here has never taken an airplane flight? Anyone here never been on an airplane? Yeah. No, we, we, we've, we, many of us have been on an airplane at least once in our life, and we probably can recite the, the, the safety uh, measures that they go through like every, every flight, right? I mean, can you imagine how boring it must be for the flight attendants to do this before every flight? You know, it's like you sit there and you know, 
buckle your seatbelt, you put the flap in and you pull tight and you low and tight around your waist to release. You pull the flap and it opens up and you, and you can get it, right? Uh, then, then you have, uh, your seat is a flotation device. Yeah. Uh, in case of a water landing, that's probably not going to go well. And uh, you know, unless Sully is your pilot, uh, a, a, a water landing, I've never seen too many water landings go well. And so uh, that, that scares you. If your seat is this flotation d- device. Um, yeah, then you have, uh, then, then you have you know, if that's not bad enough, if the cabin loses pressure, if all of a sudden all the oxygen is being sucked out of this thing, uh, we ha- all of a sudden masks will fall down from the ceiling. And what do they say? They tell you to put your mask on first before helping those around you. And you're like, isn't that kind of selfish? I remember thinking, I think, man, shouldn't, shouldn't I help someone next to me who really needs it? And then someone said, well, yeah, but what happens if you can't breathe properly? And you can no good to anyone. And so it sounds kind of selfish, and we've been taught since childhood to not be selfish, right? You know, you know put others' needs above yours, to, 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 to not, to, to, to share your toys, to share things you have with others. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, no, no, no. In this situation, you are entitled to be entirely selfish. Get yours on first, and then help those around you. But that's my baby, right? Like all the moms in the airplane, but that's my baby. And like, yeah, but if you aren't breathing, you can't help your baby. And so there are times. There are times it goes against our grain, it goes against everything we've been taught. It's okay to be selfish. Be selfish in this situation. Take care of yourself first. Put your needs ahead of those around you. Is it okay to take care of myself first? It's a qualified yes. Not in every situation. Not, 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 in some, not in similar situations, not in some, but it's a qualified yes. I mean, it's not take care of yourself to the detriment of others. But it's not like, yeah, I'm going to put myself ahead of you because I'm more important. It's, it's not that. It's, it, it kind of maybe falls a, a, a little bit along the lines of, of, of the words of Rod Parsley. He says this. He goes, you can get so busy with the work of God that you forget the God of the work. And sometimes we can get so selfish about ourselves that we forget those around us. Sometimes we can get so busy in doing God's work wherever we are at that we forget that God wants to do work in us, that we are not yet perfect, that we are not yet as God desires us to be. So we can get so busy in ministry, we can get so busy serving those around us that we forget the God who put us on that mission. And it's the same is, is, is true for me. I can get so focused on the things that are going on in the church and the things that we need to do, that if I don't take care of my own spiritual life, my own spiritual development, all of a sudden, my sermons get really dry, really boring, really repetitive, really shallow. And it's like, man, they, they, you know, it, it become, believe it or not, it becomes harder to write sermons in those times when I'm, I'm not as consistent in my time with God. Okay, just the, the well begins to run dry, and there's not as much to pull from. But then there are days and there's times and there's seasons when, when, when the well is full. And there's different scriptures that, that, that kind of say, hey, we should, we should lead and we should, we should serve from the overflow of what God has given us. That our cup is, is, is overflowing with, with, with measure. And those are those times when we're just, we're in that kind of place with God where it just seems like blessing upon blessing upon blessing is coming. We should be serving out of an overflow to God and not out of dryness. So we need to, we need to take care of 
ourselves, the more that we read, the better our time is with God, the more we are filled up. There's more for us to draw from as we serve those around us. <clears throat> Paul talks about this in, in 1 Timothy 4, chapters, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 to 16. And, and, and Paul, has, and if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to kind of find ourselves today. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's been writing to Timothy, saying, like, hey, here's how you build the church. Here's how you build a God-honoring church. And, and, and he's gone through talking about the, uh, different... Uh, <coughs> 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 Sorry. Just the different struggles in the, in the city there. Uh, it's, it's a metropolitan city. There's, there's uh, these false teachers that have risen up in the church. There's, there's just uh, cultural and cult things going on in the city and people being pulled and drawn in all these different directions. And, and, and last week, uh, Paul's like, hey, Timothy, point them back to Jesus. Point them back to Jesus. And, and all we do, point them back to Jesus. And in so doing, take yourself to Jesus as well. It's not an either-or thing. It's not serve them or take care of yourself. It's both and. It's like help the body mature, but also mature yourself. It's not just help them grow and help them learn more about Jesus, but you need to be pursuing him as well. And that's, that's what Paul is going to tell Timothy in the text today. He says this. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers, those things we talked about last week, them, bringing them to Jesus, you know, pointing out the errors and the false teachers' teachings, most of all, lead them back to the gospel. Lead them back to who Jesus is and what's right there. If you, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus who brought you up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive. And we've put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't, don't, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Like I said, Paul's like, Paul connects this section. Remember, Paul's not writing in uh, chapter and verse. He's not writing uh, this in, in, in segment and sections. He's just writing this. This is a letter that he is writing to his, his son in the faith, his protege, Timothy. And he says, hey, after he comes out, he says, hey, these are the things. If you pursue the gospel, if you pursue Jesus and, and lead others to do the same, you will be a good minister. You will be doing the things that you ought to do. If you nourish other people's spiritual lives with the truth about the faith, the gospel you've agreed to, the gospel you have followed. Paul knows the, the teaching that, that Timothy has received because Paul was his primary teacher. He's like, you know all that good stuff that I taught you when you were young and as you've come along the way and as you walked with me and you saw me go from city to city, church to church, those things I taught the people, those same things teach others. It, it, it's funny uh, when we were when I was in Bible college and we were we had a, a different preaching classes 
and you could tell who, um, who, who the, the, the students in, in class, who their favorite uh, teachers were, who their favorite chapel preachers were, because all of a sudden in, in homiletics class, uh, we would start to sound a whole lot like our favorite professors. The cadence would sound the same. The, 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 you know, if, if we had uh, certain points that alliterated or rhymed or something matched, we, we, they, they, it's, like, it's like, oh, you got that from that guy. You got that. And our, our, our voice, our presence would sound like, Tim, Paul's like, you know all that stuff that when you sat under me and you, you've heard me say, it's okay to say those same things. You nourish yourself with, that truth, with the truth of the gospel that's been passed on to you. Pass it on others. They, they too may follow the gospel. Remember, it's not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus that we need for salvation. It's Jesus that we need uh, uh, for, uh, for life. He says, if you point these things out, you will be a good minister. Now, Timothy's not just, uh, he's just not having to deal with fighting the, the false teachers, the, the ones who, who the, it's not just always attack after attack after attack uh, of those who are uh, uh, watering down or changing the gospel or trying to lead people astray from the church. Sometimes it was simple homespun uh, issues as well. These, some home, simple misguided homespun beliefs. And Paul says, have nothing to do with godless myths. Have nothing to do with godless myths because most of the people in the church <clears throat> grew up in the pantheon of the Greco-Roman gods. You know, maybe you, you took a mythology class in, in high school or college, and, and you had, you had the, these Greek gods and these Roman gods, and, and they, they had different names and different, on different sides, but they kind of all did the same things. And, and they had all these other gods that they tried to uh, uh, assuage and, and make happy so that their life will go well. Like, oh, the, the crops aren't growing. Maybe the, the, the God of the earth is... Is, is, is upset with us. I mean, we need rain, so, you know, whatever God brings rain, we, we, you know. And, and so they, they were very conscientious of all these other gods. In fact, first century Christians were called atheists because they didn't believe in all the gods. Isn't that kind of interesting? That, 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 that back when, before monotheism was kind of the, the, the prevailing uh, uh, religious structure of the world, Christians were called atheists. They didn't believe that there's all these other gods. And Paul calls them godless myths because the gods of mythology were no gods at all. They were, they were fake. They were not real. And they had no bearing in life. Their stories were real. The worship of them was, was real in, in culture. And there were stories that, that could be taught and told. Uh, uh, but uh, in, in that culture, they believed they were real, but they kept people fully engaging and growing in their relationship with Jesus. They have nothing to do with godless myths, have nothing to do with old wives' tales. And maybe some of us today, that sounds kind of cutting. That sounds kind of mean and, 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 and misogynistic. But really what Paul's saying is those, those stories that moms would tell their kids. Maybe think of it as the fairy tales of the first century. And maybe they used to tell them as truths. Maybe they used to tell them as stories that this is how you ought to live your life. And, and Paul's like, those, those stories have no basis, have no leading. Have no, they, they're not stories to guide our lives by. They're just fairy tales. They're just stories that we tell one another. Paul says, have nothing to do with these empty stories that, that are not worthy of belief, that are not worthy of action, that do not lead us to a grow, fully engaged, growing relationship with Jesus. 
If you think about our, our world today, Paul may not call them the same thing, but he might say, he, he might say similar things. He might talk about uh, the, the, the fake news that's out there. He might talk about the, the gossip that we listen and, and, and follow, uh, fall in line with. You may be thinking about all the little stories and all the small things that we spend our time on, those things of little importance, those things of little value, those things that really lead to little influence in our world that we give our life to. The pursuit of these things whittle their way and weasel their way kind of in, in, in line where, where, our, where we should pursue a relationship with Jesus. Instead of pursuing Jesus, we've set our sights lower. We've set our sights on things that may be a little more attainable. But as we set our sights lower on things far more attainable, we find them far less fulfilling. And Paul says, hey, tell them to avoid godlessness. Tell them to avoid these old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Warren Wearsby said this, he said, a pastor must teach positive doctrine so that the people will know what they believe and where they are going. But he also must expose false doctrine so the people will, know, will not be seduced and led astray. He's like, Timothy, Timothy, here's what you need to do. You need to tell them the gospel. You need to teach them the gospel first and foremost so they know what to believe, so they know what to anchor their life on, what's the foundation of their life. But at the same time, from time to time, you need to point out the false doctrines around them so they will not believe them to be true. Because most false doctrines around us are not blatantly false. They're truth mixed with just a little bit of untruth. That little bit of untruth over time begins to whittle away, begins to erode our faith and keep us anchoring in with Jesus. Paul says to train ourselves to be godly. But in our culture today, it seems that we've trained a lot of our training ourselves to be godly into training ourselves to have a, a good body, right? I mean, we see you know, all these diet ads and, 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 hey, do this exercise, do that exercise. And, and, and Paul's like, hey, hey, physical training is of some value, Right? You know, we, we, we all know that when we are uh, doing healthier things, that we are more active, that we are able to accomplish more and do more. And so uh, Paul's like, I'm not writing off having a healthy body, being healthy. In fact, Paul says that's a good way for us to treat the temple of the Holy Spirit that is our bodies. In our culture, we've, like, we, we've almost raised up outward appearance to a worship-type level. Do this exercise. Take these supplements. Eat these foods, not those. Oh, you're, you're eating those? You're eating those foods? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, yes, because they're delicious and I love them, right? I mean, and like, eat, 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 don't eat that. Because we all might want to say that we want to lose a few pounds. Every January, gym memberships soar for a couple weeks, and then everybody cancels them, right? It's like, oh, that's, my, my body hurts. You know, this should be more fun. This shouldn't hurt so much. Paul says physical training is of some value, of some value, but godliness brings value both for this life and the next. It's important for us to be healthy so we can accomplish and do more for God. The greater health, the more available we are to do the work God has for us. But let, not our, let our goal not be just merely to look good for God, but to do good for 
Remember a few weeks ago, Timothy warned the women to, to not adorn themselves to be, um, to, to be distracting in their physical appearance. And I think if Paul showed up in our culture today, he would warn both men and women not to just look good, but to do good for God, that God can do his good through us. Paul says, hey, here's a trustworthy saying. Trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Remember, he says this as kind of his, his, his little um, formula to say, hey, listen up. Here's something, a little nugget of truth, something that you need to take home with you. you write this down. Because this is why we labor and strive. And the words labor and strive are, are significant. Uh, the, the, the word labor is, is the word that talks about work that saps our energy, that wears you out. Have you ever, have you ever done hard work and at the end of the day, you've just been completely worn out? Or have you ever just worked one hour with Siggy? Right? And so you, know, you go and, and you try to keep up with her. And you're like, at the end of that hour, you're like, man, I am worn out. And it's like, how does she keep on going? How does she keep on doing this oh, every day? Right? I'm like, the, the, the first day that I will ever outwork Siggy will be the first day that, that we will we'll be like the day after her funeral. And it's like, we'll all get the sad news. And it's like, oh, I finally worked harder than Siggy today. Right? And we, we labor and strive, and it wears us out. Now picture the word strive. is an athlete who gives the last ounce of energy to race victoriously, to reach the finish line, to reach the goal. We, I mean, we, we did, if you watch any of the Olympics, if you watch any of the track and field, you know, how, how, do the guy, how, do the, how do the racers cross the finish line? You know, like doing dances, woo! No, no, they stretch out and they like, get their nose out as far as they can to be the first one to break the tape. Why? Because they've strained, they've strove, they've, they've put in all this work to win that prize. That word for strive is where we get the word agonize. Agonize. If we're willing, if our culture is willing, to, and those are willing to agonize to, 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 to perfect a physical body, how much more should we agonize and strive and strain? to get our spiritual body in shape as well. If we do this, we can, because we put our hope in God, our Savior. We don't do this just for our own pride. We don't do this for, for just looking good ourselves. We do this because our priorities are different. We do this because our, our priority is to make much of God, not to make much of ourselves. It's not to draw attention to us. It's to make much of him. So we strive and we strain and we labor and we put forth this energy and we, because we want to make much of God. Paul's telling Timothy that your personal discipleship leads to interpersonal influence. Your personal discipleship leads to interpersonal influence. And so if we aren't working on ourselves, if we aren't taking care of our own spiritual life, we will not have influence in those around us. And so we labor and we strive and we struggle and we strain so that we can be made ready to serve God. We train ourselves to be godly. Paul says, so you train yourself to be godly. And here's why. He says, I want you to command and teach these things. He says, do this. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. We don't know how old Timothy is, but Timothy is, is probably still considered to be a young man at this stage in his life. 
uh, not sure exactly what life expectancy was back then, but oftentimes uh, we're probably picturing that Timothy's probably somewhere 25 to 35 span in his life. He's not very old at all. And then Paul's put him in this leadership position in this church. And there are those who are older than him, who are physically further down the road than him. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, you're going to have to speak up to them. Though you're younger and though culturally that might be difficult, you need to speak up to them because they aren't walking as they should. So you need to command and teach these things, the, 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 the work that you're doing on your personal spiritual life, that your personal discipleship leads you into this interpersonal influence. And I think about like how my life may have paralleled some of Timothy. When, when we first moved here, I was about ready to turn 37. And uh, this last summer, I turned 45. Yet still, the, there's a bit of me that feels like a kid in my 20s. Even though when I look at the face in the mirror, there's a lot more gray in the beard than there was a few years ago. Paul says, don't let your youth, don't let your lack of age be an obstacle. In fact, you go and set an example. You go and live out your life. Let, set an example in, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, in your life, in your daily walk, in the things that you do in public. Let your life be an example. And let your actions talk for you so that then when you have the opportunity to let your words speak, they've already seen it in action with you. And command and teach these things. Set this example and then teach them. You set the example for them in your actions and then tell them, tell them the right way to live. Because you got to live your life out in the public. you got to live your life so everyone can see. If you, if you stay hidden away, you cannot be an example. But when you live your life before the people, they can see how you handle different situations, how you handle difficult situations, how you handle easy situations, how you handle situations with your finances, how you handle situations with your relationships, how you handle situations when everything goes wrong, do you just lose it? Or are you steady? You walk in step God. And then, then when you have that moment, you can speak. You can speak about the gospel. You can speak about the, the, the way they, they're acting. Because they can't point finger back to your age because they've seen you, your life, in process. Paul says one way you can do this is to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. The more we read Scripture, the more we preach and teach and, and, and out in front of others, we, by speaking these things, by saying these things in public, we're essentially signing our name to them. And so if we say one thing and do another, are people going to believe our witness? Right, if we say one thing and, 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 then, and then do the exact opposite, are people going to believe that when we say, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus, I walk with Jesus? What about that time, that time? And we're not going to get it right all the time. It's going to be real easy for people to throw stones at our glass house. But are we, walk, are we doing the best we can? We're doing the best we can. Are, 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 are we walking as best we can in step with him? Because until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Because the more we live our life 
in congruency with Scripture, it will increase our, our integrity, it will increase our credibility. Because it's likely that these are things that the false teachers were not doing. They were teaching one thing. They were teaching one gospel, but then living a gospel of convenience. Oh, you, you need to do this and do that and do this other thing. But then they were leading this other life away from the others. Paul says to devote your time. Devote your time. And devote has this sense of spending your time. Like, like time is a currency. This, if, you have, if you have a certain amount of, of, of currency, if you have a certain amount of money, you can only spend it once, right? Like the grocery store doesn't let you spend that same dollar on bread and on juice, right? I want to use that same dollar twice. Can I do that? Maybe on double coupon day, right? But, but, not, but any other time, that one dollar only gets to be spent once. And we are only allotted 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. We can only spend that minute, that hour. How are we going to spend our time? Paul says, devote your life to Scripture and reading it and teaching it and preaching it and living it out in the public view. Because people are going to compare what you teach with how you live. So because that's the truth, that's how it's going to be. He says, you need to watch your life and your doctrine closely. Watch how you live, watch what you teach, and make sure they agree. He even says, be diligent in these things. Like, don't give up because these, these things are going to get hard. Life is going to be difficult. Do not quit because you found some sort of easier way, some easier thing. Faith and discipleship are hard. Because I think everyone would agree that the cross was difficult, right? It's not like, you know, if we, if we look at the, the, the whole of Jesus' life, we're not going to say, I think the easiest day is when he died on the cross. Right? No one's going to say that. Because we talk about the same word agonize in, 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 in response to the, the cross. That was a hard day. If the cross was difficult for Jesus, how much more will our life have moments of difficulty as we strain and strive to pursue him? Paul says, be diligent in these do not quit. Because Paul says, if you, by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. <clears throat> Our perseverance will help save ourselves and those around us. Because private devotion prepares us for public ministry. Private devotion prepares us for public ministry. Many of us know many of the common spiritual disciplines like Bible reading and prayer and scripture memorization and meditation and self-examination and fellowship and service. And all these things work together to help us grow spiritually. The more we prepare ourselves in private devotion, the more we'll be ready when we are out in the public. Those times when we're attacked, and those times when we're put in difficult situations, those times when we are tempted to respond in a bad way because Satan is at work in our world. Just like Jim said, if you look at your newsfeed, it's easy to see where the enemy is fighting, where the enemy is winning the battles, where the enemy has influence in our world. The influences are at work to seek, to keep us from fulfilling the mission that God has for us. Forces that will long keep us from pleasing God. 
But when we are faithful, put into work the meeting of being with God, we labor and strive and strain as we engage in spiritual practices, as we engage in these spiritual disciplines, he is faithful to meet us and strengthen us so that we are prepared for when these attacks come. See, Paul doesn't just call Timothy to more obedience. Now, hey, obey the law, obey the law, obey the law. There's a lot of people who say, hey, the church and sermons, it's, all, it's just all about uh, forcing you to do these things, about forcing you to, yeah, thou shalt not. And there is much obedience in the Bible, right? God calls us to walk in seven, calls us to obey his word, to, 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 to follow in his footsteps. But it's not following his footsteps so you'll get my love. It's he's shown his love for us and so in response to his love, we obey. It's not obey for love. It's because of his love, we obey. If it, was just about, if it was just about us obeying first, we would never get it right, would we? I mean, how many times have we sinned just getting here this morning, right? I think I probably told the person in front of me, can you find this long skinny one on the right, right? Like, there's like, there's, and there's like no traffic on Sunday morning on my way here, but there's like that one person who's like, I'm going to do the speed limit. It's like, oh, please, I'm going to go just a little bit faster. My, 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 my truck seems to idle at 35 miles an hour. If we can go. As we find spiritual success, sometimes the problem is we begin to think about it's our success. Look how great we are. And pride begins to creep in. So we don't just follow Jesus to improve our life here. It's not like we just follow a good diet and a good exercise plan just for good health. Just so we look at, no, we we do those things because we want to live healthier. And so we don't just obey just so we can get more of God's love. We don't do it just to improve our life here. We do it because it will also improve our life and help lead others to know God there. Think about the godless myths and the old wives tales that we believe in our world today. Eventually, if we think that it's our own goodness that gets us there, we'll raise our psyches to some sort of God-like level. Uh, a, a level that our, our lives, a level that, 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 that we can never maintain and our lives will fail. And we've seen uh, spiritual leaders uh, around the world fall because they've in, either uh, on purpose or inadvertently made much more of themselves and God, they thought that maybe they thought they were themselves better or higher. Uh, that, that, that all the rules didn't apply to them. So we'll see that our willpower, our, our human effort will fail. It's not just obeying for obedience sake. It's only because we found a God of true beauty. Uh, uh, that, that, that can root out our sin. It, rules and doctrine will never suffice. They will never bring about a vibrant spiritual life. No one says, man, man I am really growing in faith because, because, because I really love following the rules. Right? You never find a, a, a spiritual growth book saying, hey, we love following the rules. Following the rules just happens to be, you know, be, be like the, 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 uh, the, the result of a vibrant spiritual life. It's never going to be, it's not because God calls us to rules and doctrine. It's because we have a Savior who wasn't, isn't just a king and liberator. He's not just a righteous law filler. It's not just he's the death healer, but he's a beauty that captures our hearts. 
It's not just because Jesus came and, 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 and fulfilled the law for us. Like, oh man, he did it perfectly, so we don't have to. That's not why we follow Jesus. Follow him. He's captured our hearts. He's called out to us and shown us hope in our hopeless situation. We've seen the, the, the amount of debt that our sin has, has put on our ledger. And he says, I got it. I got it. We see our brokenness. And he offers us life. He says, come. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you See, only in this kind of relationship can we experience the growth, the transformation that is needed. Not one that's oppressed us because of law, not one that's oppressed us because of doctrine, but one that we walk in freedom. He's released us from the myths. He's released us from the empty tales and restored us the gospel. Paul says, Timothy, it's not just about working harder. The discipleship will require hard work. But devote yourself to a lifelong pursuit of Jesus because only in him will we find someone truly worthy of worship. Only in him will we find someone who not just loves us, but died to restore ourselves, to restore us to him. Only in him will we find the true God who does not call us to earn our salvation, but one who has paid the price for us so that we would be made right. So maybe today, maybe today you need to experience that salvation. And we want to take a moment and let you respond. Maybe your response is, is, is to choose Jesus as your Savior. And you can do so uh, at, at the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. You check, as you fill out the connection card, there's a box that says become a Christian. You can check that box and that will get sent to us and we'll follow up with you immediately and help you take your next steps in your faith journey. You can also text the word life to 240 Nine, seven. Look across the crowd here in the house with us. I know many of you at home have already made that decision. You know, Mike, that, that, that's, that's great. I've, I've, I've chosen Jesus as my Savior, but what next? And ultimately, this text today is about persevering in our pursuit with Jesus. How our pursuit ought to lead us to help others find Jesus as well. That our discipleship would move us into greater areas of interpersonal influence. As we become more like Jesus, others ought to see Jesus in us. If you read through the Gospels, people are attracted to Jesus. Not just the religious. In fact, the religious are the ones that are turned off Jesus. But the sinners, the ones who seem furthest from God, those are the ones who can't seem to keep themselves away from him. Is the same said about us. Do those who seem to have the most broken lives, do they run to us because they see us as messengers of hope, messengers of grace? Do they see our Jesus at work in our lives? May our discipleship move us to greater, greater interpersonal influence. Paul said, Timothy, you need to improve yourself. That's not just about making yourself better. But that by making yourself better, you can help lead others to salvation, to help others grow in their faith. And so may we heed the same call and allow our private 
devotion to Paris, the public ministry God has. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for these words that Paul gave Timothy so many years ago. And may we, may we hear them. May we hear them in such a way that we would follow in the same steps. That, Father, our, that, that, that we would watch our life and doctrine closely. That, Father, we would pursue you. That we would labor and strive to walk in step with you. Because in you, that is where our hope is found. Not in the myths of our culture, not in the tales that our, our, our society wants to tell us about what makes us good, what is right, what is true. But may we come back to the source of truth that is your word. May we devote ourselves to reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, living it out. Not just to raise up our knowledge, but that we might inspire others action as well. That our life and our doctrine would be in agreement. Our influence among others would grow. They may see Jesus in us and then hear Jesus in our words. Father, may they see the same beauty that has attracted and drawn us to you. Father, you are good. You are love. May we do the same. Father, we thank you your word today. Thank you for Jesus. This is my prayer. We're glad that you've joined us today, whether here in the house or online. We hope that you have a great week. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.